Hello, welcome to Revolutionary Astrology. It was, we're continuing to do a series called Star Stories in collaboration with Queer Directions and my friend and colleague, Brew McDonald, who is putting together a trove of knowledge of ancestral stories, connecting us with lineage from Celtic culture and creating a living cosmology for us to gain a renewed relationship and resilience that's applicable to today. Um, I'm inspired to collaborate with queer directions in this effort and bring astrology in as um, a, a way to connect with ancestor stories and with the stars and with the animist weather of the zodiac as it moves through nature. I am especially excited to work with the Aquarian archetype again. We've done two stories so far with this month and this sign starting at the magic of Imbolc and the well of vision. We are embarking on a journey, a year-long journey through each sign with story and um, it's called Star Stories. You can look on Instagram for Queer Directions and you can find the videos, some of them on YouTube channels and um, uh, at Revolutionary Astrology. And here I've got the three episodes. And then from here on out, um, you can follow Star Stories as a on Patreon. And every month we're going to have star astrology stories. There's There'll be mixtures of um, current events, politics, and um, healing arts, including herbalism that's just relevant for tending to these energies in this astrological weather as we move through the year. Um, so hopefully this story magic excites you, helps you, supports you, and brings you into deeper relationship in meaningful ways. And you can follow us, um, find us more on Instagram and through Patreon, uh, Queer Directions and Star Stories. Here is the episode with Rue McDonald. All right, welcome back everybody to Stars and Story. We are here diving into the astrology of this time, specifically connecting these stories about the kayak um, with the astrology uh, dynamics that exist within Aquarius. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the Kalyak as the tender of the wild and the sovereignty of the land. And Otis, do you want to share how you're going to be tying in astrology? I am going to be just reflecting on this story about sovereignty and, and how Aquarius as an archetype holds sovereignty of air of, and go into that a bit. I'm very excited. Me too. Mm -hmm. All right. So listeners, I invite you to get comfortable. Um, you can start to direct a little bit of loving energy towards your body, if that feels good and right, and um, come into awareness of whatever is holding you a chair, perhaps lie down, and just be here to listen. So this story, is from the Miel of the Nine Hostages and from the McNeil family dynasty. And in this story, there are nine siblings, nine brothers who are all vying to become king and sovereign of the land to become the successor of their father, the king. And they are being tested. And throughout this story, they have many different tests. 
And this story is about one of those. The nine brothers come upon a well tender, an old crone with wizened skin and, and bony fingers and they were all quite aver averted by her appearance. They, one by one, went to the well because they were thirsty. And they went to the well and they asked the crone, the well tender, if they could have a drink of water. And she said, well, of course, you can have a drink of water, but I would ask for a kiss in return. And one by one, the brothers went to ask and upon being asked for a kiss, they turned away. They said, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. That doesn't, that doesn't feel like something I want to do. <laughs> and turned away from her and, and went away without taking a drink of water. And the last brother comes up to the well and sees the old crone and asks, may I have a drink of water? And she says, of course. Um, and I, I would just ask for a kiss in return. And this youngest son, that seems to always be the youngest son or the ninth son, <laughs> he says, of course, I will kiss you. And not only will I kiss you, but I will lie with you too. And she gives him a drink of water and they kiss and they have really hot sex. And as they're engaging in this like pleasurable reciprocal exchange, she turns into the most beautiful maiden that he's ever seen. And he's, he's totally taken aback. He says, who, who are you? And she says, I am sovereignty. It's an interesting story. It's a really interesting story. And um, the way that I've come to understand it through connecting with um, the work of other storytellers and archeologists is that she is this crone, which other folks have extrapolated to be inspired by stories of the Kaliach and, and intuitively I agree um, because the Kaliak being the tender of the wild and representative of like geological movements of, of the earth and the land and being like this ancient, like pre-God being, um, this giantess, it makes sense that she is also the bestower of sovereignty because she is the processes, these large scale and also small scale processes of, of land shifting and changing. And I just wanted to speak briefly to how sovereignty is, is imagined within this Celtic storied world view as, as I've come to interpret it. 
and that in these other stories the sovereignty being is often one that is restoring balance, often one that is ensuring the accountability of systems of power, of human systems of power, and rebuilding the balance between the human and non-human world. And, and also restoring good governance. So there's this relationship between the being that is going to be the sovereign of the land and the agency that is the land that needs to come into union, into harmony and into reciprocity. Um, through, and in this story, it happens through pleasure and, um, and sexual union. And there's often this role of the sovereignty being drawing their power actually from the other world from uh, and their and their systems of, of re, remaking balance um there's stories of you know pestilence coming upon the land and bear and like the land becoming barren um, as the land turns away right they the land is exerting agency by, by becoming barren and turning away from the human world. And through processes of, of that agency um, being presenced and impacting the human world, you know, they just exert so much power and they show they have power that is beyond what the human world could ever have. And that power is, is always there throughout these stories. And never, it never diminishes and never goes away. Um, just speaking to like the power that the land holds um, within this knowledge system, right? Um, so I think about other sovereignty beings like Maka, um, also Queen Maeve, both of these beings um, being bestowers of sovereignty and being representations of, of the land and of, uh, sacredity, um, sacred, a, sacred agency of the land, having some sort of experience of oppression and, um, or like betrayal, right? The, the trust and the balance being betrayed in some way. And then, you know, the power that is drawn from the other world that is drawn from the land, um, coming back and reestablishing that balance. This reminds me of the work that in Aquarius we do in this place with hag magic. I've talked to you about in some other videos where the crone part of this zodiac cycle of any annual cycle through late winter goes through some serious crone magic and this is the work of an air sign of aquarius that's on the fixed crossroads too standing opposite to leo and saying i reveal you i reveal your ego she does this to the brothers and often the brothers are her son lou which is the deity who comes alive in August at Lamas, which is polarity to this in bulk well work. And this is the Aquarius Leo axis. This is like her in the story approaching the young man who's often Lou, like the king of summer, right? The king. 
it's the ego it's the sun s-u-n and it's the sun s-o-n and this is like something in myth a lot that i think we look at with like the brothers and this king kind of journey and these initiations to become king it's like you're growing from the tiny seed of intuition that is the star that's the energy guiding aquarius that spark in the dark that intuitive voice that knowing that one that's not superficial that's like not the superficial brother it's not the one who is crowned king in this story. And it's saying like, what's your intuition informed by? What's the deep truth that spark in the dark and the higher guidance of the star? Are you listening to that? Are you aligning with that with your intention? Because what grows from that intention place in an air sign in deep winter in that crone viewpoint has the hairy eyeball it looks at the world with. It's able to look through the hairy eyeball of the Kaliak, that hag, that one-eyed stare. That's the truth. There's one truth. And it's like, I mean, there's many truths. <laughs> that's the truth. But it's the capital T kind of truth that's not superficial. It's not going to just look at you and be like, no, you're not worth anything. That's like the, mess in, the message of respecting and sovereignty that the fixed signs hold is really interesting because like this is the well in which births life. So like, is life and birth going to be respected as it grows and forms from this well? Like the reflection in this well that this hag offers is of your ego and what you make of that. And like actual, are you going to be king is not about like the domination colonial story of kingdom. That's not really what we're celebrating here. It's about the ego and the actual sun. And that's what you're shining out from this tiny place that you align with. How deep are you? This hag is gonna reveal you. How? What's your ego like? Do you look at things surface level, or in terms of the land even that you're talking about and that spirit of the wild that needs to be respected? Are you able to look at the land through all of its seasons? What about the elders? What about crones? What about the dignity and respect that certain people who get marginalized have to mirror and teach and reflect to us all? right aquarius is a lot about the group and the collective and actually politicizes a lot of things it's about humanitarianism social justice so it'll look at the politics of exclusion and inclusion a lot and look at marginalization politics and if you're looking at the spirit of the wild is it being tended or do we marginalize it what about the spirit of the wild that's old that's the crone that's death that's late winter that's ugly that's not the pretty sparkle summer sunshine party boy <laughs> <laughs> or a girl or whatever you know it's like the that inside the spirit of the wild is in that inside it has them all but it's like if you how do you respect aging you know how deep are you aquarius tag reveals and the well and in bulk that we wish into will show you your own reflection too so that's sort of like aquarius leo shit where the leo might want to look in there and be like how pretty am i how pretty are you and they'll just be revealed you know like you're gonna just see a hag in me that's all you're gonna get bye you're yeah. not gonna get nourished either because we can't be shallow <laughs> life will not come back <laughs> we will not be crowned king no mm. i like this and i think that nine is a sovereignty number just gonna say that the nine brothers thing yeah it's sort of related to Nana, right? Doesn't she go through nine? But not to broach over to another story. I don't mean disrespect. We're talking about Kaliak, but I just think nine in terms of the gestation in the womb and the sovereignty numbers. Mm -hmm. And even on crossroads of the zodiac, they're at like three, six, nine, twelve. 
these crossroads and just saying like it's just an interesting one we'll leave it at that but like when we're talking about what's opposite something oh wait no it would be square i just think that that it does sometimes maybe initiations work with numbers in interesting ways and i don't know it's just saying Mm. I like that nine showing up in a sovereignty story because Aquarius is really guarding the sovereignty of like what are our sovereignty and respect dynamics yeah it really mm. does that mm -hmm. yeah and I like that you drew out that this is an initiation right this is another type of kayak initiation um stories where there is you know a test of of that of how generous are you going to be in this relationship? How much are you going to be willing to see and listen deeply? Um, and, and in this story, it is um, the shit change of the crone into the maiden um, is so resonant of, of of the transformation of the, the aged kayak to the young maiden um, that we've like talked about. Yeah. Yes, exactly. At Beltane, it's like spring coming back in Taurus at Beltane. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. And so there's one interpretation that I learned from an archeologist named John Watt Waddell, who he likens the the shift of the maiden from the crone to the maiden as um, the shift of the land, mm. um, going from a experience of barren, barrenness, um, uh, like a waste wasteland. And this is really common imagery in, in Celtic story, um, going from the wasteland to a place of abundance. Um, and, and youth and fertility um, and that shift being facilitated by good governance and, and right relationship. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I like that you say relationship too, because um, Aquarius is an air sign and they're all initiating us into right relationship in their own way. Aquarius gets like political about it. Sort yeah. of, uh, I mean, like, Libra tends the scales of justice too, but like Aquarius is like, what? <laughs> it's trying to help you be a better human relationally and like in terms of your collective relationship to like respect for life. Yeah. Taurus is on that crossroads too. It's always saying like, what's your relationship with worth and beauty? Mm. And it, it kind of informs Aquarius's big truth. You know, it's like, that's the maiden is Taurus. It's like, are you going to get to meet her? You know, like it depends. It depends what your values are. <laughs> and like Aquarius has to listen to that, step into a little bit more of a relationship in terms of social dynamics and social right relationship. It's like being guided by the star. You have to actually be deep and think about the bigger picture, the higher self, and be guided by that and listen to that inner intuition and that inner deep wise place. Aquarius holds that. And that is what the well holds too. <laughs> so it's like, if you have, if you have a good relationship with worth that like Taurus Venus values are holding down, 
if you're in communication with that, your Aquarian star is going to be more clear. You're going to have a better relationship with that well. You're actually going to get to engage with the well because like the brothers who didn't even see the worth, they just looked at beauty wrong. They looked at worth wrong. They missed it, right? Yeah, they missed it. They didn't even drink from the well and they didn't get to meet spring. So they're not going to be crowned king, which is like this height of summer sun and ourselves and our egos and our expression flourishing from that well. Mm. I just think it's it's about, yeah, this worth too. Super cool. And that does inform Mm. sovereignty. Every life deserves to live its life and we deserve to live. We need to live in relationship to servicing surface of that like respect every life every life needs to have its life absolutely respecting the sacredity of of sovereign beings yeah and that being at I love that this is that's at the heart of the story um it makes me think of the wells make me think of you know the lifeblood of the land similar to what we were talking about, the kayak tends the wellstone that allows the water out. Well, in this story, the crone is there guarding the well, which is another um, place where water, water of life is being held um, and in service, right? It's like a place of service where the water is being brought up from the other world um, and, and shared and nourishing the community that that well tender is is serving and when you turn away the beings that guard the water <laughs> when you look at them and think oh no i don't i don't want to be in reciprocity with the beings that tend the water <laughs> you're denying life <laughs> you're denying the the agency and sovereignty of the land um, and that agency and sovereignty that is emerging of the land that the kayak in this story is is enacting the sovereignty of the land is in, is enacting the wealth of of fertility mm-hmm. and and um, and life that is that lives in the land the lifeblood yeah, the, it seems like an interesting like life gate, like a midwife standing at the birth gates. Mm-hmm. If you look at the energies of the year, when you're coming out of the womb, that's the winter solstice, and then the imbolc is the water breaking. You've got this well tender, that's the doula, the midwife part of Bridget's work and Bridget is honored at Imbolc for like poetry and midwifery and herbalism and all those things which I think are really related to this water this well this fertility water well Mm. yeah you gotta respect the midwife (laughs) I just like how it's sex positive and it's about like different kinds of beauty as a queer trans person that is beautiful about this story and about I think a lot of like, especially feminist stuff is around beauty lessons and the divine feminine because women are so beautiful. That's part of like Aphrodite and this like divine feminine is like bumping all of these like raised femme people with that energy, that magic of beauty magic. And it's often um, 
sovereignty lesson around like do you respect beauty like this realm i think is venus's realm and i think there's so much beauty in it and we're here to devote ourselves to it but people don't understand that they think that they're here to consume and to in a kind of severed relational way and that's part of this illness of whiteness and colonial culture and so like right now you can see that in the brothers who don't get it they just miss the beauty and as a trans person i can say like I've literally not been seen by most people. And it's literally eight out of nine brothers that don't see her. Like, that's real. Like, we live in a realm that's relational about beauty and value. And yet tons of our beauty is erased, including that of the land, including that of old people, including that of, like, especially older women or, like, certain kinds of, like, things are especially put on women. They have to be this kind of beauty. And it's just one, you know, and it's just for these little spring chicken years. And that's such bullshit because like sexuality just matures and ripens and like the young brother that gets that the one out of nine that's so accurate though because like yeah I literally feel like you know I've seen and personally experienced beauty be erased it erases your whole personhood yeah. people don't drink from that creative well we don't drink from each other's creative well we miss each other we have really false colonial narratives and beauty that make it so we just completely don't drink from the well of life like jesus christ what happens to those eight brothers they don't nothing boring you know like we need to wake the fuck up like the diversity of beauty in our in each other and actually drink from this well so i don't know like like that in this story oh oh, yeah yeah it's like politicizing love do you know what i mean like that's what aquarius does that you can i'm all riled up politically i'm like this is about of beauty and it's like it's true though yes so political Mm. who does it end up screwing over in the end though the person who can't see it right right yeah they're the ones that are left with the wasteland yeah Yeah. what a boring life oh so what you live in that boring reality bye yeah right you know the one who actually sees and engages and actually stays in relationship with value and beauty and is able to have the deeper bigger version of that is the one who goes on you know in this story and has like the life engages with life drinks from the well of life has a life Mm -hmm. gets to meet the whole life yes and come into a place of inner authority and um and in this story like gets to bring back this like this sacred relationship and this balance between the land and the non-human realm and the human realm yeah oh my god not just respecting beauty but respecting that valuing the non-human in the earth when you bring it to that level of sovereignty it is quite like I like that the lesson is about sex positivity. (laughs) It's very much like Betty White politics, you know, like (laughs) Golden Girls, like how she just, oh my God, shocked us all with amazing sexuality. Yeah. And I I really appreciate um, uh, the way that we're interpreting this story. The other times that I've told this story, people are like, oh, the hag is like being manipulative. <laughs> and like, I'm like, no, you don't get it. <laughs> the land is abundance and like we see it and choose it or we turn away from it because it's 
offering some truth or like a witness back that we're not ready for or we don't want we don't see the value in well people vilify things that are different right people are literally repelled by them they're afraid of them these people that you're talking about that felt the hag was manipulative i'm curious because it's true she tests you with that bit of glamour right her mm -hmm. hag old lady grammar she's gonna hold up maybe what you would think of as ugly I mean, right? She had like bushy eyebrows and she was like, I guess you didn't, you told the story out loud. I just read one where she was described and she's like, <laughs> I think that's cool though. I'm just, I'm queer. I love like different kinds of beauty. And I just like the old person kinds of like valuing that. But I think it's such an interesting thing to feel threatened by that. Mm. By manipulative. Mm. I also think that we go through survival instincts when we are approached with that, which is different. A lot of people react from a survival instinct place that mm -hmm. keeps them pretty narrow in their version of their, do I want to interact with the person or no? People just reject something because it's like, ew, no. And like out of fear. Right. Yeah. It's like the colonial ick factor like all the different ways that we've been socialized to like be a find like to react with disgust to things that are different or or like a, react with aversion to things that don't fit within our culture's very narrow views of what is beautiful and what is you know worthy of our attention and our reciprocal relationship or even what's scary or not because like if you approach this well and you're hungry and you've gone through a desolate land and you show up and there's an old woman there and she not only wants to give you a drink she wants to make out with you and roll around get <laughs> sexy yeah have a sexy romp okay so would you be like wow it's the lucky day jackpot or would you be <laughs> like she's trying to manipulate me what is she's ugly do you know what I mean? Like you can feel like in the heart level of yeah. these characters, one's coming out of fear and judgment, one's coming out of positivity and celebration of life and curiosity and just kind of like this like, oh, wow, lucky me. Body, mind, and spirit. I'm getting nourished today. Like, yeah. one, like I'm afraid I don't trust that I'm being screwed over. And it's like, if you look at how do we tend our relationship with the land, with life, with the sacred waters of life, with life, anything life, like people are like, we do swing wildly like this inside of ourselves in terms of our relationships. It's like, are we acting out of like a fear, kind of no, ick, reject, I'm surviving based on judging and separating myself from that thing I'm afraid of and projecting shit onto, you know, or am I surviving by being curious and open and really saying yes to life <laughs> there's just this I like that lesson I like it me too maybe she's also the manipulation part is witchy like are you open to something being witchy and like good for you in that way even though it's a bit like weird <laughs> relationship with weird I love weird but like some people just immediately shut it down well we've been colonized away from like witchcraft and things that are magical shape-shifty like have layers you know we need to reacquaint ourselves with that, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
And I think also the water is a representation of, of, um, of power, right? Like she, she has power because she is the water and she is the giver of, of water and the holder of life. And she has that power because she is it. <laughs> yes, yes, so witchy. It's like yeah. beautiful. When you really think about it, you're like, whoa, the ugly part in this story is so amazing because actually she's just like beautiful. She's a human manifestation of the well itself. And it's, yeah. it's like, wow. Yeah. And I like to um, like shift it to um, like, I like the way that you, you, Otis, you frame it. Like, let's look at these stories as if they're dreams, right? And all the beings within the dream are like parts of ourself that are interacting. And so like, oh, yeah. what are the parts of the self that hold that deep well of like abundance and mm. sovereignty and inner authority? And then what are the parts that are coming up to that and being like, ew, <laughs> right? Or, or right? denying life. No, yeah. very <laughs> ugly. Oh, I put off by that. Bye, shut it down. And then where are the pathways to have like pleasurable, like hot connection with those parts of ourselves that then flourish into like balance and good governance and you know all these all these beautiful like explosions of of fertility and and wellness we all have that old tired craggy self especially in late winter it's a really intense time right now usually there's like a fundraiser for mental health right now it's like the ugly hard part of us right now mm. in this time of late winter you know, we were all like, oh, we've been snowed in for days. We're feeling a little kind of weird. Like maybe it's the ugly part of ourselves too. And then it's the part where creative stuff is stirring. And so this interface is funny because it's like, yeah, how much are you going to respect this sort of abundance of life and sexiness and everything and like that, which when you can love all your parts and like all the kind of places that life brings you, including these maybe hard, hard, ugly ones, you know, like you could equate it with like the entire era of the end of life with a lot of people fear and struggle with the old part. And, but it's like, what if we get practiced every year through the Zodiac at loving all our parts? By the time we're old, we're gonna be having the best sex ever. You yeah. know, like we need to cultivate a, like a wider relationship with like all our parts, you know? I think this initiator is really cool because if you integrate that you can integrate all these sort of weird, ugly, harsh places in you that you get to. And often love in terms of initiators with the air signs in relationship, like to be initiated into this radical inclusion with self and other makes for healthy relationships. This yeah. makes a better community, not just a community in terms of we all treat each other better, but like in relationship with ourself and other people, like this is a fundamental value set that informs our own sovereignty. That means we can be as creative and radically inclusive with our own authenticity. We don't have to be motivated by fear of like showing that and we don't miss it in other people, you know? Mm -hmm. Let the wellsprings run, don't stop the creative life force. It's cool and it's like, it's interesting because it is this well tender that really is showing this like lesson of like radical inclusion of all the hard mm -hmm. parts alongside that which is yeah the spring chicken that's reborn that's just a perfect little baby 
<laughs> when spring comes back and it's all pretty again like yeah sure easy love but like what about all of our parts what about right yeah yeah mm-hmm. i like it yeah. Mm. well <laughs> i think it's complicating beauty it's important yes yeah yeah mm-hmm. it's complicating love and it's complicating what sovereignty is um yes perspective yeah and how it what it looks like to to respect sovereignty i think the story offers like a lot of guidance to inform like political and ethical commitments in terms of relating to land and the water protectors, like the indigenous folks of the land that are literally protecting water, how do we how do we respond when we come to the people who are respecting the water that we rely on as like human beings and all of the ecology that relies on the water? Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, from that perspective, God. the land, right? And how is the land exerting agency? I love the narratives that are emerging in indigenous art and expression that are like, we are, indigenous people are the sovereignty of the land and the agency of the land responding um, to oppression and to destruction. I love that too. And I love when the waters showed up, people Mm -hmm. started to get spiritual in the activism and it not started to, it always has been indigenous front lines, but this prayer with water became these slogans of water is life and we're not water protesters we're water protectors and just reframes that were just incredible and working with the sacred fire too last year in in bulk season there was a whole thing with the sacred fire protecting water just massively being held down and like i just feel like there's this beautiful like way that these elements kind of rise up in these front lines and just like, yes, claiming them is a decolonization in itself. We are that, yeah. And I just wanna clarify that it's not about, it's not always about union through through sex, (laughs) obviously, but like what the heart, heart and the meat of the story I feel is the reciprocity. And like how- It's the consent, it's like, yes. And the yes. yes and the reciprocity, the good, the relating well with one another. The yeah, being fully able to meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not distance, just like fully able to be like, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, life. Yes. We have to say yes to life. Mm-hmm. The sacred well is that moment too. Even in Christianity, there was this usurp of Bridget at Bridget's Day, which then became Groundhog's Day too, and different things like around February 1st, which was traditionally in bulk in Celtic holidays. But this well moment, when you approach this well, it got usurped because it was so strong at St. Bridget's Day and people still devote to her on that day and at the sacred fire and the sacred well, because it's like this practice you have to do in late winter after this winter solstice, you're starting again. Oh God, 
late January, early February, this is the time where you approach that well and you have to face choosing life. You have to say yes. Yeah. Yeah, that reciprocity, you have to be able to show up for your part in that, you know? Mm-hmm. To like make something harvestable in late summer, you know, in August, which is like that axis. Like what you're sending out here in the polarity sense is going to arrive in August. So this in bulk Lamas, Aquarius Leo axis, it's like this conversation, like the Aquarius new moon in this time of in bulk is going to grow into this full sun in August. And it's just a harvest in the relationship between your intention in air in Aquarius and then what you harvest later in terms of like yourself mm-hmm. and like your fire. But it's it's important that we say yes to life. <laughs> yeah. And say yes to inner sovereignty and inner authority and coming into that, that process of like coming into right sizeness and and to come and to be committed to the processes of coming into good relationship with other sovereign beings and agencies that we're interacting with. And that being like a ever shifting horizon, right? It's this, oh, this process of, of becoming and um and yeah continuing to be accountable and learn yeah i like there's a wise elder kind of offering a learning at this well right like even like traditional cultures like you're talking about indigenous front lines they have such a connection to elders and to the mm-hmm. the advice and counsel of white elders it's informing the culture mm-hmm. and how people act and think and treat one another and have values and so there's values mm-hmm. in indigenous frontline leadership all over the world that are valuing things that aren't seen as valuable like maybe mm-hmm. it's not this pretty shiny mall with all the name brands and drive through 24 hour like it's like not the candy it's maybe not the pretty spring chicken or whatever that you're just gonna be like yes so fun life Ah." but like this wise council elder kind of truth holds down that which sometimes you forget to remember about like saying yes to life or honoring about life is the wise council the well when the well is maybe looking like that maybe it looks like I don't know I feel like a lot of our wise self has a deep relationship with cultures that go back with tending strong elder counsel mm. strong relationship with the wise one inside because you're not going to just steamroller over <laughs> and just forget to value things that in that way we're able to see their value you know yeah it's a shift of of mindset it's yeah. that the story speaks to for sure the shift of values mm-hmm Deciding what's important. Yeah. Mm. Well, out of this, do we have any invitations for folks who are listening to engage with the story and with the astrology of this time? This is a time for intention setting and approaching the well and seeing what it's offering you and what you are saying yes to, what you are saying no to. 
Mm-hmm. And that might be a cool little meditation practice for people, a little journal thing, right? Draw pictures, you can journal however you want to, but I think it's important to really like reflect on what is the well offering you? What is the well tender offering you? The initiator at the well, the one that wants to transform you and give you life. Are you saying yes to life? Are you scared? What's coming out of the well? Do a little scry work, have a little bowl of water that's the well, could be anything. And you just sit over it and see what visions come. Mm. think about people in your life that are maybe that hag that wise one who's your initiators what kind of reactions are you having to like the medicine showing up and making offerings to you what kind of visions are you having the intentions for what's going to go forward and grow this year mm. as the light returns mm-hmm. i love that and i would also add like as an everyday practice of magic um making visible the relationships that we engage in constantly than with the non-human world or with you know other sovereign beings like what are the qualities of relationship that we are tending which ones like map them out figure out which ones are are and are showing up right now and and presence with the qualities of which we are showing up in those relationships, um, just in a day-to-day way. Um, with the birds that you see outside your window or the way that you address the water as it comes from the tap that came from headwaters, right? That came from lands and, and, and wells you know, springs uh, on the land in which you actually live and feeling into gratitude, I think too, is really important. Um, and, and trying to find ways to be in reciprocity with the non-human world and also with, um, with the beings that are protecting the non-human world. And, Perhaps in the in the video description, we'll put some Indigenous front lines who are protecting water um, that you can check out and uh, and support if you have the means to. Mm-hmm. I think you, there's this practice too of cultivating our inner spark in the dark. I like to call it the reason you get out of bed in the morning. It's also yeah. that inner crush that makes you kind of wet, right? It gets your waters rushing, gets your quickening going. Mm. Like, especially now when we are listening to what is that which gets me out of bed in the morning? What is the spark in the dark? It's the sacred well and the sacred fire together. You, That is your fire. How are you tending that mm. sacred fire that is sex, that is passion, that is desire, that is that kind of way you are that awake in your mm. life? We need to cultivate it. We can't just like shut down or go to sleep around this. This is like the time of year when it starts to wake in. And so like, yeah, like cultivating our yes, you know, our spark. Our sovereignty in order to know what is a yes and what is, yeah. And that's, I think that sovereignty work and that like relationship to pleasure feels really connected for me. And it can be a diversity of things. Yes. Oh my God. What 
we know as queers about that. It's like such a windy, interesting, fabulous road. We get to end up having such a diverse experience with pleasure and the erotic. And especially as a witch and an animist, I really appreciate how I feel very moved in energetic ways in my embodiment with nature. That's what magic is. It's like energy moving. Mm. So my eros and my eroticism extends into just generally being moved by art, by dancing, by like the wind and trees and it's like a big relationship it's expansive like what are we in relationship with that's non-human like I love that invitation because it's literally with music with this weather you know the arrows of relating to nature yeah empathic relationship embodied relationship because what comes back in the spring is Taurus it's like your senses come back so like how are you the midwife to that embodiment where all your senses are awake, which is going to be at Beltane at the other queer crossroads direction. But it's like, this is in conversation with now, mm. you know? Yeah. Cool. Coming alive. Yeah. Oh, so yummy. Yeah, we're going to keep exploring more of these stories. Um, we're starting with this time of year because we love in bulk and this sacred well with which the creative energies and everything takes form and flows from here, this source. And we're going to keep on rolling into all the astrological signs throughout the zodiac this year. Uh, Pisces just started today, actually. The sun just went into Pisces this morning. And so we're going to be doing some work with the fish, probably the salmon of knowledge. We're going to do that. We're moving on to Patreon and we're going to go through every sign. And I'm really excited for this collaboration because I think we're going to involve some really interesting information and content, including pop culture, politics, art, um, like really good prompts and ways to engage with this material of story and star. And um, just check us out at Queer Directions and Revolutionary Astrology on Instagram and online and on Patreon, Queer Directions at Patreon, if you want to do more work with this. Yeah, I'll put the link in the description below so you can take a look. And there's three different tiers. There's a low income tier. If you're not experiencing financial difficulty, there's a tier for you. And then if you want to um, have a little bit of a deeper dive and kind of treat this more like a like an, a course um, where you get an opportunity to ask questions and engage with both of us um, and to deepen and the learning group right the yeah yeah exactly and with the other folks who are learning to create this kind of like learning circle um, there's an option for that as well based on what level of engagement you're you're looking for and and what financial means you have right now um yeah it's exciting it's gonna be real good (laughs) (laughs) amazing so we look forward to see connecting with all y'all in march we'll be over on patreon and thank you so much for joining us for this january in bulk story series it's been an absolute pleasure Mm -hmm. All right. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want?